We play for bravery. We play for big hearts in tiny bodies. We play for the fighter within. We play for life reclaimed, disease in remission, stories rewritten. We're Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU, and we nurture the champion in every child. We fight the forces that threaten them, and we play to win. Learn how at chrichmond.org. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. And hello, everybody. How's it going? Uh, welcome to Mr. Brightside. I am Matthew Bolton. Today, we're looking at what is objective optimism, part two. In the first part, we just did a brief intro as to how I kind of started to even think about uh, the idea that we needed a new concept of what optimism is and uh, what kind of what led me to that and focusing on the aspect of appreciation uh, as a big factor in it. Um, you can go ahead and listen to that uh, as a lead-in. But today we're really getting to the meat of it. So um, I think the best place to go, obviously, to get any of this is to my website, matthewbolton.blog, where I have written a, a, an essay, a full essay on what is objective optimism. I've also included there uh, several excerpts that I revised and kind of made into individual articles themselves, but they're essentially just from the, the long essay, but it, in that piecemeal way, it's a little easier to consume, I think. But in any case, you go to the website and see the, uh, the essay, and it takes you through a brief intro, what objective optimism is as a definition, and then I have a table, a comparative table that compares the three mental mindsets or approaches objective optimism, pessimism, and subjective optimism, and then kind of compares a lot of um, different characteristics and, and a different results uh, in, in columns um, resulting uh, from uh, each approach. So I think that's a real good place to get it all at once, to kind of look in and see what it is. But um, And then, of course, the bulk of the essay is taking that table, each part of it, and then kind of breaking it down and, and uh, talking out or writing out what I mean by each uh, each part. But today, we're not going to look at the table. Um, I'm not going to sit and break down the table and go through. That could take forever. So what I am going to do is go to the um, present kind of what is the basic definition of it, what it is, and then go through some illustrative examples, which I think will really be uh, really be clarifying and really show us what what the difference is and what it means to adopt one mental approach over another. So uh, let me start here. I guess um, just a quick review as to why we even need a new concept. In the start of the essay, I mentioned how optimism does have a bad rap. Optimism is associated with ignorance, naivety, uh, immaturity. It's kind of the ignorance is bliss guy, right? Um, And pessimism as a contrast to that, has a very good rep. It's uh, it's usually taken to be something of more of a more rational approach to life, and optimism is kind of a little bit, um, well, I guess, irrational and immature. So, and this is not a new idea. Um, obviously, uh, I think 
So Matt Ridley and Morgan Housel have done well in a couple articles that I've read related to this to point out why pessimism is quite attractive and, and seems to be the, the kind of more wise and sensible approach to, to life. Um, but I'm not going to get into that today. However, there is a quote that, that's come up many times uh, when I see these kind of articles, and I use it in my own as well. It was from John Stuart Mill over 150 years ago, says, I have observed not, that not the man who hopes when others despair, but the man who despairs while others hope is admired by a large class of persons as a sage. And right away I think, oh, that's, that's not very good. I mean, I'm here, I'm trying to sell optimism, right? <laughs> so the idea that somebody, when people say, um, you know, things are not, not, you know, things are not very, very good, uh, you know, the world's going to end. Um, it's really hard to get ahead in life. Uh, things are set against you, etc. That kind of person seems to be a little bit wise to people say, you know, that kind of matches how I feel about things. And I think that's what, uh, I think that's part of the, the appeal is that pessimism, I'm going to kind of argue fundamentally is like a rationalization for uh, feelings that, that we, that we feel, um, that we don't really know the causes of and, and uh, ultimately some kind of basic form of fear or something. So pessimism is a rationalization to confirm that. And we'll see, and that's a, a form of subjectivism, and that's what we're going to see here, why objective versus subjective uh, optimism and pessimism as a subjective uh, approach. Um, so again, if you're coming out and trying to say, Hey, don't worry. You know, everything's good. It's all good. You can do it. Life is great. Then it's kind of like, it sounds like you're almost like a young person who has that idea starting out in life. And then an older, wiser person can come and say, eh, just wait till real life hits you in the face and you'll see, you know, and you'll grow up. And that's kind of the attitude we have. And this idea is not unfounded. There are such kind of what I call subjective optimists out there who are kind of, all just everything's great, no matter regardless of the circumstances, and that is an irrational approach, and it is naive, and and it gives optimism a bad name. And then I think that people think, well, then the op opposite approach must be pessimism. This is the only default, and I think that's really what pessimism is, kind of prevails. Well, there are a lot of good reasons why it does prevail, but among them, it is that it's a default position con to contrast to this kind of. Uh, blind optimist. And so I want to put in its place objective optimism. And let's take a look at uh, what that is. Um, but um, there was also one other part. Now, I also thought that optimism and pessimism were often defined or used superficially or out of context. So you might get someone saying, um, I'm really optimistic about this business plan. Or another side would say, you know, I, I have to admit this, there's a lot of strong teams in this tournament, so I'm a little pessimistic about our chances, right? And it, essentially those both mean that given the, given the circumstances, I either think this is going to succeed or not. And while it's okay to use the, the words that way, everybody can understand what you mean by I'm optimistic about this particular event or I'm pessimistic about it, it doesn't tell you whether somebody is characteristically optimistic or pessimistic. It doesn't even tell us anything about what those concepts mean. And I want to submit, for example, that one can be, one can have that, that idea that I'm pessimistic about our chances. It just means I, I don't expect to do well, but yet still be consistently optimistic throughout all aspects of your life, including that tournament. 
And, and we'll see some examples of this kind of thing uh, quite soon here. Um, and I think to counter that, I mentioned it last show, but I just want to repeat, uh, to counter that idea and to kind of show what I mean, you can take the glass half full, glass half empty metaphor and see that in this case, it shows like it's optimism and pessimism is not about an assessment of reality. And you become an optimist because you decide on the whole that something's uh, going to work or not. Um, it's half empty, half full. They're both equally correct, as it were. But um, they, but optimism says you choose to focus on the fact that they're, the glass is half full. And pessimism says you choose to focus on the fact well, the fact that uh, that it's half empty. So let's uh, go ahead. So what is objective alt- optimism? We're going to go to that now, but not quite so fast, because if I'm going to refer to objective optimism and subjective optimism, then we have to know what objective and subjective mean. So um, objective, uh, subjective, let's go first, means that it's existing in the mind or belonging to the thinking subject rather than the object of thought. Right, so it has an emphasis on moods or feelings. In effect, the mind creates reality. Right, it's so over. In all, subjectivism is arbitrary, irrational, blindly emotional. So it's kind of what you feel—that's reality. What you, what's, what goes on in your mind, in the subject, becomes reality. Whereas being objective means that something is the object of perception. The world you observe, the world. Right, you look out at it, and then you. Uh, perceive that as the object, and then you make decisions based on that and conclusions based on that, your emotions will follow that. Um, we can see that in a later show, perhaps. Now, I want to point out as a good clarification that this includes introspection. So introspection is not subjective, right? So long as when you look at your emotions and you look at your mind and your consciousness, you're looking at it as the object. So I look in and I say, why do I feel these things? Right? Why do I, where, what, what is the nature of my consciousness and how does it work? And you're looking at it almost, you know, scientifically trying to figure out how does it all work and where does the stuff come from? So a subjectivist would just take, look in, introspect, take their feelings and say, Oh, I feel this. So that's what's going on. Right? And not even look for causes. So it's objective versus subjective. Now, um, I'm going to go in and say, what is objective optimism? So I'm going to read it off here so I don't, uh, so it's very clear. Objective optimism is the willful mindset or method applied toward optimizing results in a given context. To be objective means that one identifies and appreciates all facts, and then to be optimistic means that given the relevant facts, one chooses to focus on what one has to build upon in achieving one's best possible results, and not on what one lacks or what might thwart one's goals. So it's two-pronged, right? It's objective and it's optimistic. And I should start, by the way, uh, defining optimism in a way. So optimism is taken from the Latin optimum. And optimum, uh, I can just get here, optimum means the greatest degree or best result obtained or obtainable under specific conditions. So we're looking to be optimal or to optimize, right? So Objective optimism is first objective, right? It identifies, appreciates all facts. And then the optimism part comes in that we choose to focus on what we have to build upon, right? And not on what we don't have or what might uh, thwart our goals. This is obviously distinct from pessimism, which is the opposite, right? That's the mental method or tendency to focus on or inflate the unfavorable conditions, 
right? And uh, that we have to deal with and to expect failure. Now, this is also distinct from subjective optimism. And if you see on YouTube, I've got air quotes around optimism. It's always subjective, quote unquote, optimism for people who are listening on audio only. Because this cannot really be classified as optimism. Because by dropping objectivity and ignoring relevant facts, a subjectivist is sure not to achieve optimal results. That's certain failure. If you are not ob- to, to succeed in reality, one must be rational, use reason, be objective. If we just follow our feelings, arbitrary, blind moods, and try to create reality or invent facts, you're never going to achieve any goal, whether it's in your physical health or your material prosperity in your relationships, in your career, in happiness, achieving happiness. It's all objective. They all have causes and we have to discover them. That's what being objective means. So the subjectivist cannot do that. Now, it's often mistaken for optimism in that the this person hopes for the best, right? So they're kind of not like pessimistic in the way of thinking, oh, I'm probably... They think like, I, I'm, yeah, I can... Everything's going to work out. But without... By dropping relevant facts, they will never achieve that. So, um, and because this blind hope uh, inevitably turns into uh, kind of failure, they it turns kind of into uncertainty and fear. And you'll see if you look at the table, and in reality, you'll see that subjective optimism oft, often resembles, in the end, pessimism uh, in in the the kind of practical results and the emotional consequences. So we'll we'll see about all that later. Um, I want to emphasize that objective optimist pursues optimal results obtainable under any given conditions and operates this way whether the conditions are favorable or not. So in this way, objective, objective optimism is not always expecting good results, but always but trying to pursue them rather, um, which means to be rational. So let us see here. Um, and what I say ultimately in this way to be very clear, objective optimism, in my view, is a redundancy, which we have to use to contrast with the subjective optimist. And subjective optimism is a contradiction in terms, which means that you cannot be an irrational optimist. You can only be something else, uh, irrational, well, something that doesn't lead to optimal results. But why am I going to use this term? Well, there's a big reason is I don't really have another term. We don't really have a term for this kind of person. We call them a blind optimist or a cockeyed dreamer or something like that. But yet we still put it in the category of optimism. So we don't really have anything to call it that's really distinct from real optimism. Um, and also, I think for the sake of juxtaposition, it's really helpful to have this term subjective optimism and objective optimism so we can really see the contrast and highlight it. All right, so moving along, uh, there's one last point to make about something more on the metaphysical level or the, you know, the deep philosophical level. Objective optimism is a uh, more broadly defined as a general attitude that the good ultimately predominates over evil in the world and that reality is objective and knowable and that our goals are achievable in reality. So it's a kind of a overall metaphysical idea that, yeah, things we can we can exercise our reason and achieve our goals in reality. Whereas a pessimist kind of believes that evil and suffering predominate in the world. And despite our best efforts, we're doomed to failure, essentially. That's kind of a more of a metaphysical thing. There's a, they believe more in the power of evil um, and as a really potent force. And then the subjective optimists, right? Again, while they're trying to be more on the, yeah, good, 
good is good, strong and good has the power and things will work out. Their broad, their orientation is more broadly inward again, subjective. And because of that, their view of reality, it leaves them kind of uncertain in regard to reality. And then with that only blind faith to support these hopeful feelings. And again, as you go, this ultimately leads people to the, to the vague sense that evil is kind of potent and good kind of is a little bit weak in the face of it. So that's a kind of basic, put it out there, uh, here's what these three things basically are, but I think the table will be very clarifying if you go look at that. And... Um, and of course, reading reading through uh, the breakdown of the table. But what I'm going to do is jump right ahead now to some illustrative examples. So as we go through this, it's important to keep in mind, uh, to emphasize that we want to separate objective optimism from subjective optimism, the subjectivist who evades awareness of risk uh, or downsides and attempts to kind of operate in a ignorance is bliss, euphoria all the time. This idea of like, you know, it'll all work out. Somehow, this is not properly uh, called optimism, right? This is something else. And let's also keep in mind that the issue of optimism versus pessimism is not about, you know, calculating probabilities, but given the probable outcomes, upon what do we place our focus and how do we proceed in action? So I'm going to proceed with a baseball example. Um, I grew up playing hockey and soccer. Those are my main sports. Um, and I played them all up until a couple of years ago. And for various reasons, uh, they're on a kind of hiatus now. And I'm playing baseball um, in a very competitive league in Korea and uh, with some really good guys. And it's really good fun. Now, this is not softball. This is real baseball, uh, fast pitch and all that. And uh, it's, anyway, it's really exciting. So I'm going to use a baseball example for that. And uh, I'm going to take a, take a scenario where we're at bat and, and uh, we're going to see what an objective optimist, a pessimist, and a subjective optimist, how they deal with an at bat. So I'm going to pretend we're like in the majors, right? So major league, we've got a 300 average. We're going to start there. 300 average means you get a hit about 30% of the time. And in the majors, that's excellent. So what I want to look at here is Given that, how is other things being equal? How are um, how is each mental approach going to help us at the plate if we want to achieve men, uh, optimal approach, uh, optimal results? Excuse me. So we'll start with pessimism. So I say, to the extent a person looks outward at reality, they see that seventy percent of the time I'm not getting a hit, right? So they kind of step up to the plate, look out at the defense, and they just see they don't see any holes. It just looks like. There's somebody everywhere. There was nowhere to look for the ball to drop. They look at the pitcher and they feel like he really know he's on to me. He knows what I'm expecting, so he's going to throw the right kind of pitch and fool me. Um, you know, and while this seems to be an objective approach and looking out, he's really inward focused, right? Focus on himself and the overwhelming feeling he feels is self doubt, right? Um, Given this, you know, 770% of the time you don't get a hit, he doesn't expect one. He's kind of resigned to failure, but still is going to go and leave it up to chance and say, you know, I hope I'll be better on this one. I mean, I hope it's the 30 this time, but just don't let me strike out anyway. That's really embarrassing. So he's focused on what will it, what will it look like to the people if I, if I fail here. Imagine now you get a called strike. That's where you, that's where you don't swing and you think it's, it's a ball and then it's, the ump call strike, right? And then after that, he he thinks about the ump's decision and he feels like a little bit of hostility towards the ump. Like, ah, oh, he's got it in for me, right? Um, 
But then he also thinks, well, at least I can use that later as an excuse after I strike out, right? And certainly his main goal now is to not strike out. That's his main focus. And like, you know, what are people going to think if I do that? And overall, he's just thinking, ah, I knew that I, this bad bat wasn't going to be any good and uh, we'll see, right? And he's still only at one strike. The bat isn't even, isn't even over. So that's one, that's one way it could go for a pessimist. So if that's not going to be very effective, why don't we try the subjective optimist? He comes in, it's going to be much better, right? Someone who thinks they're going to do well. Well, let's see. Um, so he looks at his average and thinks, okay, 300 is pretty good. Um, and, you know, I might not get hit, but who can blame me, right? You can only expect me to get one 30% of the time. Um, he try again, he's inward focused. So he tries to look in within himself and summon this ability like, I'm, I can hit. I know I can. I, I'm going to get a good hit. So I'm a good player, aren't I? Like, I got a 300 average. So he hopes, again, he's going to swing and hope that it, he hits it at the right time and it'll land somewhere in a safe spot. Um, so you can see the difference. It's not quite the opposite, though, right? While while the, the pessimist, uh, you know, is kind of not hopeful about it and the subjective optimist is, both of them are leaving are leaving it up to chance. They're kind of just hoping that it works out this time, right? Um, now, as the subjective optimist is a little more hopeful, this is a mentality maybe a little bit more helpful at the plate because it does relieve a lot of the pressure and feeling comfortable is a big advantage at the plate. But lack of pressure and comfort is not the same as confidence, right? And if you kind of have this attitude, what happens when you hit into uh, go into a slump, which is inevitable in sports, you go into a slump, then it gets harder to try to believe you're a good player. And the, the mounting evidence, as much as you try not to look at it and kind of keep it within yourself and positive vibes and positive mentality and all these kind of things that a, uh, a subjective optimist might try to do, in spite of all that hope and kind of belief, the self-confidence quote unquote, turns to self-doubt and the vague feeling like maybe I'm not as good as people think. And, you know, it, it doesn't really work uh, in the long term. So confidence only comes from knowing and confidence only comes from objectivity. So here's the objective optimist and here's what he does. He comes up to the plate and, and uh, of course, the first criteria of this is that he's objective. So he's looking outward at the conditions and not inward at his own feelings or, or, or insecurities and doubts and whatnot. He's looking out. He says, uh, you know, uh, he just focuses on what he has to do. So he doesn't even think about his average. The average is irrelevant, right? 300 versus 700 to no hit. I've got a 500 average, a 200. It's irrelevant what his average happens to be at at the time because his approach is the same. He focuses on his surroundings. He looks out at the defense and he tries to choose. He looks for some gaps. Okay, there's a couple gaps over here. Maybe he identifies a weak player somewhere in the field and says, okay, maybe I'll try to hit it over towards that a weak defensive player, right? Um, he also takes the factors into account, like who's on base, what's going on here, and then he kind of makes his plan. He also thinks about what does he think the pitcher's likely to throw, really concentrating on the you know outside uh, surroundings and, and conditions. Then he kind of checks his stance, make sure his feet are in the place and how he likes to do it, loosen your grip, get your elbows up, all the things that you, you learn to do um, as a good batter. And when the pitcher's winding up, really focus in on his hand, what's come, what pitch is coming out, try to follow the ball in, keep it all together, etc. right? And repeat. So you repeat this pitch after pitch regardless of what, what happens. And this is all you can do until you either get a hit or you sit down. But either way, that's the thing. So, 
you know, in baseball, they say a batter has to have a short memory. And uh, for an objective optimist, right, the past is irrelevant, right? The focus is always on the present, right? Um, while you're in action, and of course, it does have, you know, obviously a couple projections of the future probably good if I stick to my plan on, on the whole. I'm going to take this, uh, so I, I, I kind of think of this way, and let's go back to, I said I, I played hockey and soccer, and and uh, I'm going to take it to soccer because this is how I thought about um, my role when I was when I was playing. So I had the kind of fortunate position to be in the kind of uh, to be a striker and have a goal scoring role. So it's really my my performance is measured on do I help the team score goals or do I score goals or not. And as that as that position, I used to I used to summarize my view about how I approach the game to. I don't believe I can I can score every time, but every time I believe I can score. So what this means is that I look out and I don't I don't uh, look at the season and think I'm going to score every game this season. Every time can also mean every chance or every opportunity or every game or every whatever. Um, but every time I believe I can score. So that means that every game I, I approach, I think I'm going to score. Every time the ball comes in and a chance is there, I think I'm going to score it. And of course, it flies over the bar or something else because it's just going to some of the, most of the time. But, but the, as long as I keep that attitude, that's an attitude of optimism, even though I know rationally I'm not going to score every time, you see? So I don't say, well, you know, you know you're not going to score, so what's the point of... of believing that. So that's kind of my, my approach. And I think that that is kind of, uh, should, should be the motto of the goal scorers union. Right. And while I didn't actually say that at any time while I was playing, it's when I look back and I kind of think about how I thought about it, that is always how I thought about it. So I'd actually never really quoted that. Um, you know, if you do want to tweet it out, you can attribute that quote to me. That'd be really good. Right. Um, and, and that's it. Like I used to be so, uh, constantly think that I was going to score, right? So if we went down one, I would think we're going to, I'm going to score. And then if we went, went down one, nothing, I would kind of say, Oh, okay. Well, that's great. I get to, I get to get the tying goal now. And if another teammate scored and tied it up, I'd be like, Oh, well, that's great. Now I get to get the game winner, right? Etc. So it was always like that, right? And of course, it doesn't always work out. The idea of objective optimism applying this approach doesn't guarantee results, right? I mean, there can be accidents. There can be tragedy befall people. There can be slumps in, if it's in, we're talking about sports. So this is nothing to say that, oh, objective optimism is a guarantee to success and pessimism, well, pessimism, I would say, is a guarantee to failure, uh, except for some real crazy um, chance or luck. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's move along here. Um, that's how, that's what we have to do with the sports example. I'm going to try to, maybe I'll give one more big one and then we'll wrap it up for today's one. Um, now this one here is going to be a little bit heavy. I want to go to, um, scenario of like a concentration camp. Now I know it's a really horrible situation to consider. Um, and most of us are never going to experience anything like that. Um, later I am going to bring this all to real life and how it applies to your regular life and how this one approach and versus the others is the optimal one. But, but just to, this is going to really help paint what it means, right? Because obviously this situation calls for pessimism, right? I mean, it's, that's, there's really not much of a chance or it, the probabilities in the, in the scenario are not good that we're going to make it out of this. Um, I do, I will lighten it up a little bit by, 
by let's assume that we're alone there, our family and friends are all safe, and we're kind of there, and we, we're with strangers, which is no less, not really less horrible, but slightly. So, first, it's important, right? Obviously, objective optimism regards catastrophe and uh, and evil as as uh, accidental, exceptional, and unimportant, right? But they're no less real, and as I say, there's no guarantee that we won't be in the situation. It is not about th- optimism. Is not about thinking nothing bad will ever happen or things will always work out for the best, right? That's subjective optimism. Um, so let's take a look here. Um, the pessimist. So the pessimist is in this horrible situation, and um, his first idea is well, I kind of his metaphysical uh, view is kind of confirmed. This is what life is, and what can one do? You know, what can one do in the face of this evil and this malice? Right? Um, you know, evil is powerful. And I knew it, and there's not much anybody who's good can do. So what's the point? So basically, the pessimist is resigned to inaction. Right, that's the first thing. Um, maybe he has ideas of thinking out scenarios of what might happen and you know what they might do to him, etc. And kind of shrinks within himself and kind of feels a little bit of that pity and victimhood. Why me? Why did I get caught in this? He's terrified of his captors. He hates them, but yet he's scared to, to take any action. So basically, he's just going to sit and wait and just put it in the hands of providence. But I don't expect much. Right? I mean, we're doomed. We're all doomed. Now, the subjective optimist, this is really testing your your optimism in that kind of blind faith kind of way. So if you're a particularly buoyant optimist, maybe you could say, you know, I believe that somehow we're going to get out of this, right? Um, but this feeling is only kept on the periphery. If he tries to look to that periphery at the reality of what's going on, that idea of the like the, the chances that he has are going to look ever slimmer and look more real to him. And then, um, you know, he's feeling safe so long as he doesn't really think about it. But in this kind of dire place, it's that hopeful feeling is really tough. It's a, it's a fleeting feeling, very hard to hold on to, and you're not going to do it. And that's what subjectivism, that's the weakness of subjectivism. It's not based on any evidence and anything in reality. So it's, and it's, so it's not real. And when reality does keep pushing on you and mounting, it's very difficult to hold that kind of blind faith in the face of counter evidence. Um, so ultimately, the subjective optimist also will be kind of resigned to inaction, thinking just kind of, I hope somebody will save us or maybe I'll get a chance and get out of here. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm hopeful. But in their heart of hearts, they're really not hopeful. So what about an objective optimist? So the objective optimist is completely aware of the dangers, right? Of the chances of survival, right? Um, but of course, unlike the pessimist, he regards the situation as an aberration, almost somewhat, somewhat of a joke, like a cosmic joke. I don't mean that he thinks it's funny that he's there and that he may die, uh, may very likely die, but kind of in a broad metaphysical way, these pretentious monsters that are holding him are unimportant and they're, they're contemptible and pathetic. So that attitude can at least help him feel a superior status and at least maintain his humanity and dignity in the face of this degrading situation. Um, but even that, that's not enough to just carry him through and say, you know, to, to anything. He's still, again, a person of action. So he's looking at what he can do, what 
what do we have? So the glass here is very, uh, you know, filled very low, right? So, but yet there is something. He's breathing. He's can act, right? There's these guys, they can't have it perfectly locked down. He has to be able to figure out way, something he can do. So he, and of course, he's going to act, right? Um, and of course, because he understands that the world is good and that this is just some kind of accident, this is not the norm of existence. This is just some horrible, you know, horrible joke, right? So he knows there's good things out there and he's going to f- keep his focus on values that he wants to fight for. So maybe he has a family, he has friends, there's good, the, the things he enjoys in his life, he wants to do them again. And they're just right outside the gates of this uh, place he's trapped in. So, you know, when you observe people in these kind of, these movies, uh, like The Pianist or Life is Beautiful, they're always hanging on to some kind of optimistic view, some kind of value in reality, not just making it up, but they're in uh, thinking of some kind of value that they're holding on to that they want, that they keep as real in this dark place, right? You could see it in uh, Lord of the Rings, same thing, right? You know, I, I you know, I, I, Frodo says, right? He says, what are we holding on to, Sam, right? And Sam says that there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. I'm not going to do the, the, the thing and act it out dramatically. But these kind of stories really help illustrate what I mean. These these heroes and these stories who do succeed, that's what they've been. Uh, they have hung on to values and they've looked out at what can I do? How can I act until they can act no more? Or hopefully when they're free. So again, it's not about guaranteeing success, but it's about how can I get out? In the case of the concentration game, I might say the, the guy's looking out at what are the guards doing? What is this place mapping it out day by day, constantly figuring out different ways he can escape, um, making alliances, trying to work on whatever he can do. So that's what it's about. But of course, there's no guarantee. Um, I guess if I'm going to summarize this, I, I do it in the essay and I'll do it here, that summarily I'll put it, I'll put the, the three guys really quickly in a burning building. And I would say, to, to kind of put it finally, the subjective optimist is someone whose you know, hair is on fire and they kind of repeat naively and unconvincingly, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be no problem. We're going to get out of here, right? And, and the sad part, as I say, is that this is how people caricature an optimist, Right, someone who just believes it's all going to work out, and I'm saying this is not what I'm talking about. This is not a, a, a proper view of what optimism is. Um, a genuine optimist is not subjective and does not cling to faith. Right, um, an objective optimist looks out, figures out what is the best plan to escape until they either do get out of the building or they perish in the fire. Again, these horrible situations. Pardon me, but you know, um, a pessimist obviously would simply just cry out, you know, woe is me, right? We're, we're all going to die and, and therefore likely would, which is a very harsh kind of pronouncement. Uh, and, and excuse me for that, but it's the cost of failing to look and focus on what you have and what would objectively optimize your chances in this scenario or in life, as we'll see later. Um, the final point is I just want to observe that that the pessimist and the subjective optimist do resemble each other fundamentally in that despite their opposing kind of subjectivist beliefs, right? They're kind of like feeling as, oh, things are pretty good, things are bad. They're both subjective and therefore they're both ultimately passive in regard to the situation, while as an objective optimist um, takes responsibility for his own fate.
right? And doesn't regard the other things as as important, you know, until, I mean, obviously they may consume him. Obviously, tragedy can befall people, as I continue to say. So that's basically what it looks like in this. Um, the next time I want to, I'll take it into somewhere more real life. And then, um, and of course, all throughout the show as we go along later, I mean, right now I'm really laying out this kind of theoretical um, kind of what is the hypothesis. And um, and of course, I've given some examples, which is I hope is keeping you uh, locked into concrete reality and making connections. But certainly as we go along in the show, we're going to talk about our you know, physical health. How do we do that? How do we have good relationships? How do we succeed in our careers? How do we gain purpose and meaning? And how do we gain happiness? And how do we achieve all the values that we need to create a, a flourishing, uh, thriving life. So we'll do that all later as we go along. Um, for today, that'll be the end of this. Now, before we do go, though, of course, let me uh, please uh, remind you to um, ask me questions about it because I think this will be the thing that really helps shape it. Is um, you know, I'm trying to put out certain aspects of it. Obviously, if you read the whole essay, that'll be the most comprehensive, but even that's not quite exhaustive yet. This is going to be something that kind of takes shape over time, and it will help me bring shape to it if I get a lot of feedback and questions and help me uh, formulate it ever more clearly. So please write in something that you've heard today or the other show or in a future show. Ask me about it. You can do that at matthew.asknow at gmail.com, matthew.asknow at gmail.com, Or, much more easily, just go to matthewbolton.blog. You can always get uh, updates on what's happening. And of course, please share it. So obviously sharing generally to out there to anyone at large is very helpful. But I always say that um, obviously if you share it with someone specifically, if you seek someone out and say, I have a this my friend or my niece, my nephew, a student, a parent even, somebody you know is a, you know what, you might really benefit from listening to this episode or this show in general, I think that can obviously be uh, very more powerful for somebody to take it. Um, So I'll appreciate that if you do that. Of course, also subscribe and like. um, Subscribe on whatever medium you consume on so that you get all the updates and you keep up on this conversation. Um, I'm going to leave you with all that, but before I do, I do want to go back to lighten it up again just a little bit. Back to, I referred to the Goal Scorers Union and their motto ought to be, I don't believe I can score every time, but every time I believe I can score. Well, I want to add another quote that uh, that goes along with your Goal Scorers Union card. And this is not so much in helping with performance, but it is in as far as people assessing your performance. And it goes, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And remember that. All right, guys, take it with you and enjoy your day. And I'll see you next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side.